the year 1953. A plane touches down at Smithy's Airport in Sydney. On board is an American named Lee Gordon. The Australian music scene will never be the same again. From then until now, these are the stories. Hey there, this is Josh Ersam and you're listening to Awesome Aussie Songs. This episode is on Tina Turner and the Grammy award-winning song, What's Love Got To Do With It? Our special guest is former Twilight's guitarist, Terry Britton, who was a producer on Tina's 1984 comeback album, Private Dancer, and he's also the co-writer of What's Love Got To Do With It? With the recent passing of Tina Turner, we thought it would only be fitting to release this episode in tribute to the Queen of Rock and Roll. While Tina is the main focus of the episode, we also take a look at the two songwriters responsible for some of Tina's biggest hits, Terry Britton and Graham Lyle. Our interview with Terry was conducted prior to Tina's death. And yes, we realise Tina's not an Aussie. However, her ties with Australia are strong. There's Tina's link with Terry, who wrote some of her biggest hits, We Don't Need Another Hero, what you get is what you see, and the song that's the focus of this episode, what's love got to do with it? Another thing, Australia is the only nation to have an official dance to her song Nutpush. No country has taken the song to heart like us Aussies. Some other obvious links are Tina starring alongside Mel Gibson in the movie Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome. And Tina was also the face and soundtrack to rugby league in the 80s. And of course her manager was Roger Davies, one of the greatest success stories in the history of Aussie music. After guiding Sherbet to the top in Australia, Davies has gone on to have incredible international success, managing the careers of superstars such as Tina, Olivia Newton-John, Joe Cocker, Sher, Janet Jackson, Sade and Pink. Here's Tina talking about Roger and the influence that he had on her career. Few manager-artist relationships are as strong, as enduring, as successful as yours is with Roger. Why? I think Roger's the brother I never had. I think I'm the sister that he never had. I think our bond came when we both went to work. Uh, a little story about me and Raj. When I was getting my divorce, Roger was, when I was actually running, hiding, Roger was en route from Australia, coming. He had not really anchored himself in business. I was looking for someone. So we just kind of met. It was just kind of something that was meant to be where a foreigner came in. And again, Australians are very connected with the English. So it was always a foreigner that helped me through this time of getting where I wanted to get. So when I did a special with Olivia Newton-John and met Roger, I knew that he was the one to manage me and not his partner because he he has all of the ingredients of a manager. And then later I had learned that he was actually, had actually done this kind of work in Australia. So what happened was, what I needed and what I wanted, that's what Roger wanted. Roger wanted to build a star. He wanted to take recognition and be recognized for what he's good at. And he was able to do that through me. I wanted someone, needed someone to believe in me and to take me to that place. I'm a singer. I'm not a businesswoman. I think I can make decisions, but I need someone else to actually do that work. Roger loves that work. So why we jailed was because both of us wanted the same thing. I wanted a manager. He wanted an artist. Terry Britton immigrated to Australia from the UK with his family in the late 1950s, and they settled in South Australia. He first came to prominence as a lead guitarist with Adelaide band The Twilights. The lead singer of The Twilights was future Little River Band frontman Glenn Shorrock. The Twilights enjoyed great success, gaining an Australian number one with their take on Needle in a Haystack.
Like many successful Aussie bands at the time, the Twilights headed for the UK after winning the Hoadley Battle of the Sounds competition. The first prize included tickets to London aboard an ocean liner, as well as recording sessions at the famed Abbey Road Studios. Here's Glenn remembering the band's first time at Abbey Road. You know, we arrived there and, and the guy said, you know, you picked a good night. The group's in here tonight. What do you mean? No, it's the Beatles. Uh, you know, we all sort of started giggling, <laughs> laughing, but we were shit scared that we might run into them. As it turned out, the night that they recorded at Abbey Road Studios, the Beatles just happened to be down the hallway recording Penny Lane. Yeah, we snuck down the hallway, put our ears on the doors and we could hear Penny Lane being recorded. During the 1960s, many Australian bands headed to the UK to try and make it big, although not many did. The few exceptions being the Easy Beats, the Bee Gees and the Seekers. Unfortunately, the Twilights, like many others, succumbed to the enormous pressure of restarting in England and they returned to Australia, ultimately breaking up in 1969. In all, over a three-year period, the Twilights had a number one, as well as five songs making it into the national top five and ten songs making it into the top 40. Here's some of the Twilight's bigger hits. song 950 was released by the Twilights in 1967. The song also found a new generation of fans when it was covered by the Divinals in 1984. The Divinals lead singer Chrissy Amphlett is regarded as the queen of Aussie rock and roll.
Clem would then go on to form Axiom with Brian Cadd, and they released the all-time classic Aussie song Little Ray of Sunshine. A little ray of sunshine has come into the world. A little ray of sunshine in the shape of a girl. Following Axiom's demise, Glenn would then go on to gain huge international fame as the lead singer and one of the songwriters with the Little River Band. Here's a quick reminder of some of LRB's magic. With the members of the Twilights going their separate ways, in early 1969, Terry released a single through EMI, 2,000 Weeks. Two thousand weeks and here I stand, a man so helpless. Two thousand weeks and all I have to show is loneliness. Jackie, won't you stay? He then returned to London and formed Quartet with fellow Aussie expats Trevor Spencer, Kevin Peake and Alan Tarney. All three had been members of another great Adelaide band, James Taylor Move. Barely lasting two years before breaking up, James Taylor Move had a fantastic sound but weren't around long enough to really make their mark outside of South Australia. Here's some of their 1967 single released through Festival Records, Magic Eyes. It reached the lower end of the national top 40, but as you'll hear, probably deserved to be a bigger hit. 
Quartet released two singles through Decca, including Joseph in May 1970. Quartet then broke up and Terry became an in-demand session musician in the UK. He continued to write and really struck it big in 1976 when Cliff Richard released Devil Woman, a song he had co-written with Christine Authors. Devil Woman was a worldwide hit and it was the first time Cliff had a song that broke him into the US Top 10, reaching number 6 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. a brief look at the career of Graham Lyle, the co-writer of What's Love Got To Do With It. Graham originally found success as one half of the duo Gallagher and Lyle when he teamed up with fellow Scott Benny Gallagher in 1965. The duo then joined other musicians including Manfred Mann's guitarist Tom McGuinness to form the band McGuinness Flint. They had a number of hits in the UK including one of Graham's songs When I'm Dead and Gone which reached number two on the UK charts in 1970.
the songwriter, All Up Graham has had 18 songs make the British Top 40. In America, he's had five songs reach number one on both the pop and country charts, as well as three number ones in Australia. What's Love Got To Do With It, as well as another Tina classic, We Don't Need Another Hero, which he co-wrote with Terry. His other Aussie number one came with I Should Have Known Better by Jim Diamond. I should have known better To lie to one as beautiful as you Yeah, I should have known better To take a chance on ever losing you But I thought you'd understand Can you forgive? Terry tells us about when he first met Graham and how they came to write What's Love Got to Do With It. It was actually a mutual friend of uh, this guy, Graham Lyle, who was in Galligan Lyle, the band. And um, we met we met the studio, he introduced me and said, oh, you know what, you guys should get together. And we thought, oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, so six months later, I think Graham rang me up and said, hey, Terry, a Scot- Scotsman, said, Terry, you fancy getting together? I said, yeah, yeah, we'll give it a go if you like. So he came to my place. I had a little tiny studio, home studio. And um, we sort of fiddled around with acoustics and it wasn't really happening. And I think he was looking at his watch. I was looking at mine thinking, oh, this this is going nowhere. And I just happened to mention to him, have you ever worked with a drum machine? And let, have you ever written with a drum machine electric guitar? And they said, oh, no, no. I said, well, do you want to have a go? So literally, um, I put the drum machine on and went boom, chat, boom, 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 chat, boom, boom, chat, boom. I played a couple of chords. Wrote, oh, guys, what a great chord. And uh, I started to sing. And you know, whatever. <laughs> And we got to the hook, and I don't know, it's like, oh, then he said to me, he said, I'll tell you, what do you think of this? He said, I've got a great title, I really like it. So it's called What's Love Got To Do? I went, oh, that's really good. So then I got the lyric, and I just went, whoa, what's love got to do? And then, I don't know, an hour later, that was it. can't remember uh, much. And then he said to me, uh, do you mind if I go away and just tighten up some of these lyrics, and I'll come back? So he did that, came back, and then we changed a few more lyrics and tightened everything up, got happy with it, and said, well, we'd better do a little demo of this, I suppose. And that demo is the worst demo I've ever done in my life. It's, it's terrible. But, you know, then we, we said, oh, that was nice, Graham. Uh, see you, mate. All best. And we went our separate ways. And um, I don't know. The universe moved. And Roger Davies, an Aussie, good Aussie, he was a big Twilight fan. Uh, used to come to see the gigs in Melbourne when he was a youngster. And he was the one that, wrote, that got in touch and said, uh, want to do that one and another song, but uh, we want you to produce it. And I thought, holy shit, are you kidding? And uh, he said, no, no. I went, all right. And that, that was the whole beginning of it. It's well documented that originally Tina wasn't too keen to record the song. Have you seen the Tina documentary that's out? Yeah, well, basically that is the story. She she didn't want to do the song. She didn't like it. Um, but, you know, I just talked her into it and said, well, you know, why don't we try it? And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You don't use it. Just leave it on the shelf. And that's how it started. Terry believed in the song and he knew it would work for Tina. Well, you know, I tell you, I, tell you, I haven't told many people this. She came to this little studio and I thought I'll have my keyboard player with me, my mate, keyboard player, as as moral support. <laughs> because if you're going through two, three different keys, you have to be able to, you know, cut that. So he, he, I'd be having a transpose button on the keyboards. You just sort of go boom, and away you go. Um, but she came in, we had this chat, and she said, "Yeah, I, I don't like that song." So I thought, I thought, let's break the ice and start with the up tempo one, which was a short song called "Show Some Respect." Well, I believe in working, but I believe in a little help. 
I put the little drum machine on, got my guitar, strapped my guitar on, and started to play. And suddenly she took her overcoat off and um, started to dance and sing and play. And we learned the song. And she said, she looked at me and she said, Terry Britton, you're blacker than I am. <laughs> Which was uh, such a compliment. You know, the groove we got with just a drum machine and guitar. And that's what sold her, I think. So anyway, so then she warmed up a little bit and said, well, okay, I'll try the thing. Terry knew that he was working with musical royalty. Thanks to his skill as a songwriter, musician and producer, Tina Starr was about to shine even brighter. I think that was fortunate. It's, it's, it really is a marriage. It's the right song, the right art. It, I don't honestly, in my heart, believe anybody else can do that song. Lots of people have done it. Uh, but I just don't think anybody else can do that song in that way. It's, I think that's why it's quite unique. You, you're not going to hear a million covers of it. I mean, it's had covers, but you're not, you'll never hear that. You won't hear anything approaching that because her performance is, is off the chart. And, you know, I can't tell you, when we finished that record, I took a cassette home with just this basic backing track and her voice and nothing else on it. Nothing, no fancy bits, nothing. And I was mesmerized. mesmerized. I, I just kept playing that. And I'm thinking, well, if nothing else happens, this is the experience of your life. This is it. To hear an artist like that sing a song like that is it will not get any better than this. I knew it. Prince's classic song, When Doves Cry, was locked into number one on the Billboard Hot 100, meaning What's Love Got To Do With It stored at number two on the charts for quite some time. Oh, yeah, we did, and I watched it when it got to number two and got stuck. And Roger says, ah, I don't think it's going to make number one. And it stayed number two, and then it <laughs> jumped to number one, and it stayed there, and we're going, oh, my God, it was like, yeah. I say it was a, it was a, you could say it's a life changer. Big time. I mean, now, every time I turn the radio and it's on, it's like 40 years later or something. And it's got legs like, it's just, it's just. I mean, the awards it's got, and it's like, it's just unbelievable. Here's Tina performing to a sold-out Wembley Stadium. As you're about to hear, she had over 80,000 people in the palm of her hand. Like that, yes. 
I want to hear it noisy. I want to hear a lot of noise, girls. And I'm going to do it once more. Okay, ready? Here's Terry talking about when What's Love Got To Do With It was nominated for Song of the Year at the Grammy Awards in 1985. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, I was, I was praying we wouldn't win because the thought of having to get up on stage with a gazillion people, oh, it, was, it was terrifying. So I'm, I'm always sitting there really feeling quite sick, thinking, not please, not us, not us, not us. <laughs> Next thing, they poke a camera in your face and you, you're on the telly. The support shown for Tina that night was extraordinary. Well, I think what got me first was every time there was a little pause in the show, the audience, there were thousands of people in this audience, it was almost like a low-level chant, Tina, 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 and you thought, and I was getting goosebumps thinking, wow, you know, this, this, she's got everybody in this place is, is rooting for her. It was quite, quite extraordinary, you know. So when she did one, well, uh, the whole place went bananas, yeah. And the song of the year is... What's love got to do with it? 
And the record of the year is... Oh, I'm so excited. Does make you nervous? Okay, okay. What's love got to do with the I didn't know that kind of success. That, that kind of success was not a reality that I thought I would have. My goodness, this has been a wonderful evening. I, I'd love to tell everyone just how it really feels, but I don't have time. I'd like to take this award and give it to someone that's been wonderful to me as a friend and in business and in many ways. My manager, Roger Davis, it's been wonderful in here. As I mentioned earlier, our interview with Terry took place prior to Tina's death. Listening to him here, it's easy to tell that Tina was a person he admired greatly. Uh, you know, until you're in a room with that woman, until you're in a room, you just don't get it. You don't, I mean, she, what, I mean, a live performer, off the scale. But, you know, when you, it's the energy that, uh, you know, she just embodies this energy and positivity and everything she does. And and she'll keep going. And, and the woman was, was unbelievable. She'd say, what's that on the demo? What's that ad lib you do? And I go, Tina, just do one of your, your own ad libs. She'd say, no, no, I want to do that one. And you can see why. It's because she wants to expand and get away from everything that she usually does and try something new. And the other person that does that is Cliff Richard. Why would Cliff Richard have done Devil Woman? I mean, no way is that is he going to do a song like Devil Woman, but he heard it and thought, you know what I mean? Some people are willing to take on something new and expand themselves and expand their style. And I did say to Tina after the end of that session, because she came out of her comfort zone, because she's just used to, you know, bop, 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 and there's no one better. And I, I said to her, I said, now you've done that song, you'll be able to sing anything. It doesn't matter what it is, ballad, big ballad. I said, it's like you've opened up a whole new vista, you know. And she's, and her, her eyes lit up and she said, you're right. And what knocked me out, she said, you know, what's very exciting about this, when we just finished it, she said, people are going to say this is a Tina Turner song, not this is Tina Turner singing Al Green or singing someone else. They're going to say, this is a Tina Turner song. And that meant so much to me when she said that. She's a very, very special person. I mean, her energy is just infectious. But I know she doesn't suffer fools. You've got that. You've got to know exactly what you're about. And and we, after we broke the ice with that song, I, I mean, I was thrilled. She said to me, here's my phone number. If you need me to come back, repair anything or do anything else, just give me a call. And it was like we formed an instant sort of trust then. It was quite um, life-changing, you know, when someone says that to you, that ilk, you know, that stature. That's something else. And, you know, we had many, many great laughs and times doing the album tracks. And and then some of it, we went to Paris to do some. And that was fun. And she took me shopping and all these things. It was like, you know, it was just, it was just a great time. But... By then, she, you could see the pressure had lifted. It was a whole new Tina. It was like going forward, you could see this, you know. Up till then, I think she had a struggle reinventing herself in England. That was at the beginning of that. She'd gone different producers around London. You could see she wasn't happy. But then, after the, by the second album, you could see it, it all lifted. And my God, when she did live shows... Something to be something to behold. Absolutely phenomenal. Terry is without a doubt a songwriting and musical maestro. Here are just some of the artists that have recorded his compositions. As we've already mentioned, there's Tina, Cliff, and the Divinals. Now add these names to the list: Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Lenny Kravitz, Hall and Oates, Status Quo, Olivia Newton-John, Celine Dion, Bonnie Raitt. Wet Wet Wet, The Pointer Sisters, and Hank Marvin. And that's to name just a few. Another of Terry's success stories came as the producer and songwriter for Aussie pop singer Christy Allen. The hit songs they released in the early 80s include Goosebumps. He gives me goosebumps, hot thumps. He makes my body jump, I wreck my brain and tear my hair. He gives me heartbreak, God's sake, I shiver 
and another piece of pure pop genius, he's my number one. Terry and Graham have created plenty of magic together and their songwriting obviously suited Tina, with the trio combining for these classic hits. We don't need another hero. as well as what you get is what you see. When someone as talented as the Divine Miss M, Bed Midler, gives you an introduction like this, it says it all really. This is from the 1984 MTV Awards. A number of years ago, this is going to be so much fun for me. A number of years ago, I read a review in the New York Times about an act that was opening for the Rolling Stones. I had never in my life read anything like it, and when that act played the Fillmore East, a couple of weeks later, I rushed to the box office and I bought myself a seat. When the curtain went up that night, my life began. Because the woman that I saw perform that night was everything. Everything. I ever dreamed a performer could be. She has passion. She has soul. She has heart. She dances like a mother. She is ageless, she is more brilliant than even she knows, and she thinks she is pretty hot. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, no other, Miss Tina Turner! What's Love Got To Do With It was released by Capitol Records in May 1984. The single came from Tina's Private Dancer album. The song went to number one in the USA, Australia and Canada and was a top five hit in the UK, Germany, Sweden, South Africa, Ireland and Austria and Japan. In all, the single has sold over 2 million copies worldwide and as we've heard, in 1985 won Grammy Awards for Song of the Year, Record of the Year and Best Female Vocal Performance. The song was also inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2012. Terry Britton was also the song's producer and on the recording he played guitar, bass as well as programming the drum machine. He also provided backing vocals. When you sit in the Grammys and they say, and the nominations are, and you've got bloody Stevie Wonder, Lionel Richie, I think Hugh Lewis in the news, Cindy Lauper or something, all these different names, and you go, you, you really are up against it. <laughs> oh, Phil Collins. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> and then you win it. It's like, wow. So I was very, 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 very lucky boy. Can you imagine sad little boy Titri going to the Grammys? Here's What's Love Got To Do With It by Tina Turner. 
must understand The touch of your hand makes my pulse react That it's only the thrill of boy meeting girl While the zips attract It's physical Only logical You must try to For listening to awesome Aussie songs. Thanks to Terry for your time, and thanks to Terry, Graham, and Tina for the music. Hi, this is Molly. You've just listened to a podcast brought to you by Marcos Promotions, written and produced by my dad, Sheldon the Kangaroo Kid, and presented by Josh Urson. This is Molly Kid saying to my good friend Holly Kirsten, "Hit it, girl." Take the fan.